Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for once again listening to and downloading the Quarterly Report. We've got another really fun show this week. My cuzzo, Cousin Sadiq, is making his monthly appearance, so y'all know that's always really fun. We got so much to talk about between he and I. Also, y'all know I'm going to recap the huge and exciting yet controversial fight this past weekend between Gennady Golovkin and Saul Canelo Alvarez. All that and so much more ahead. But first, we're going to get things started with our number one topic this week. First quarter. I love the NBA. And if you know me or have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you understand this already. But this week is the perfect right example of why this league I love so much. You know what I mean? Like, Because it's important to remember there hasn't been a single National Basketball Association game played, right? Not Summer League, not Euro League. We're talking an NBA-sanctioned game. It hasn't been one game played since June. And think of just all the things that have happened, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, with the NBA since then. We're in September. We're still a month away from the season. And we had maybe one of the most fun days if, of any sport that had nothing to do with on the field, on the court, on the ice play. Of course, I'm talking about Monday, right? Y'all know by now, but just in case you don't, two of, I would say, two of the five most popular, not best, but most popular players, and two of the top 20, right, best, or 25 best players in the league. They all had, like, just crazy emotional meltdown or <laughs> I don't know I don't even know how you would describe it but of course I'm talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving so let's start this in chronological order I guess early Monday morning or maybe you know Sunday night depending on where you live uh Kevin Durant on his own verified personal account tweeted in the third person replying to a critic of Kevin Durant's um, and and speaking almost as if he was someone else. Like when you read the tweet, and I don't have the tweet on me, so I'm not going to read it verbatim, but it was clear that Kevin Durant was responding to a, a, a critic on Twitter, someone who's, you know, not a, not a reporter, no one verified, just a regular fan. And he responded to this tweet as if, he was trying to disguise who he actually was. You know what I mean? So you, you see the tweet, and it's fairly clear that he has multiple accounts. You know what I mean? Like, he was responding, defending himself as if he's not himself. Again, referring to himself in the third person, talking about coaches and players as if they weren't his old coaches and players. And he threw... Billy Donovan under the bus. He threw his former teammates other than Russell Westbrook under the bus. And this was, a, you know, in response to someone asking, you know, why Kevin Durant still left Oklahoma City. And look, man, I've talked about this on this show. I didn't agree with Kevin Durant's uh, choice to play with Golden State, considering the Warriors, um, they wouldn't have won or they wouldn't have went to two straight NBA finals had it not been for Kevin Durant's poor play in game six 
And the fact that Kevin Durant left the team that was good enough to go to an NBA Finals, he left the team with, you know, now the reigning MVP to go to the team that beat him. And that just seemed real weak to me. You know what I mean? But again, those are my sensibilities. And I try to really understand my sensibilities are just that. You know, they're mine. Everyone doesn't feel the way I feel. And, and honestly, Kevin Durant has to make a decision, a business decision for himself and a personal living decision. You know what I mean? So when you try to break it things down like that, I may not agree with it, but ultimately, who am I to disagree with someone's personal choice? You know, he didn't hurt anybody. He made his decision. And, you know, ultimately, what? To the victor go the spoils. You know, he was, his choice kind of, it, it was solidified you know what i mean he won a championship he won the finals mvp and again history is written by the winners you know and we'll look back at it as it being the right decision at least as things stand now but that was an on the court decision a personal decision and although i may have thought it was weak i was trying to move past it like you know what that's your life do your thing but damn, I can't do it anymore. It's like, no matter how hard I try, I, I try to rock with Kevin Durant. You know, he's a fun basketball player. We've never seen a player like him before. Seven feet, dribble the ball, can shoot. One of the best shooters in the league. Gets to the cup, gets to the foul line the whole night. And now he's, a, he's an amazing defender. Protects the rim. We've never seen a player like Kevin Durant before. So it's like... It, it, it's almost, it's like a fool's exercise to try to, to fight, you know, this Durant wave. It's like, okay, man, you know what? You did that. I don't really rock with it, but whatever. That's your choice. But this, oh, no, 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 no. I can't condone this, man. No one can. You make a, you create a fake account and argue with teenagers? Slim. <laughs> Bro, and, and, and I got to provide the uh, the right amount of context, you know what I mean? Because on its on its face, that's just that's weak. I'm, I'm trying to come up with a different adjective. Like that's just weak. And there's no way you can just no way you can describe it other than just weak. But think about this: Kevin Durant is the same guy who just a few weeks ago they releases his shoes, and they've got all this, you know, the 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 quote unquote hate on the bottom of his sneakers, you know. He's the guy who's got the T-shirt the with the snake. He's the guy who wants to act like, you know what, he's, you know, he's above the hate and he doesn't care. He's going to rub the hate in everybody's faces. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't, he didn't appreciate being called a cupcake, but now he's going to show everybody. He's going to rub everybody's nose into it. Slim, why are you acting like you, you know, the baddest dude on the block? And you've got fake Twitter accounts arguing with a teenager, a kid in high school. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, bro, <laughs> Kevin Durant reminds me of D'Angelo Barksdale. You want to act like you want all the benefits of being the tough guy. You want to have all the, you know, all the attributes, all the glorious things that come with being the tough guy, but you're not built for that. And that's fine. Like, you don't have to be this super, you know, me against the world type of dude. If you want, it's clear. It's clear that he likes to be loved. He wants to be loved. He wants to be admired. He doesn't like being the villain. And that's fine. Everybody's not built like that. Everybody's not Kobe Bryant. 
Say what you want about Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant did not care. You hated him, fine. He almost, Reggie Miller. There are certain guys who don't mind that, and that's fine too. But if that's not you, and we saw it with LeBron in Miami, remember when he was like, I'll be the villain, and it was clear that LeBron wasn't built for that? You're seeing it with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard wanted to be the big tough guy. It's clear that that's not who he is. Same with KD. Like, it's okay. Bro, you want to be Carl Thomas, Ralph Tresvant, and rock the turtlenecks? Be super sensitive? Go for it, bro. <laughs> that I mean, you know, I'm joking, but for real, like, if you care that much about what people say, go for it. Don't, but don't fake like you, you like got this super chip on your shoulder. You're not Russ. You're not Russ. And, and then he admits to it. So I give him credit for admitting to it because we've seen it before. People get caught in a lie. And although there's clearly evidence supporting, you know, that this was this is what happened, people will go down with the ship. So I, I, I mean, I guess I don't give him credit for it, but I appreciate him being honest after he gets caught. But just think about you, the finals MVP, one of the best players in the world, one of the best players of all time, coming off an NBA championship, been validated all across. Your decision has been validated. And you got a fake Twitter account? What are you doing with your life? And look, I'm not naive enough to think that he's the only famous person or only famous athlete or in any sport who has this. But you know what? He's the one who got caught. And if anybody else, if LeBron got caught or, you know, Tom Brady or anyone else, they got caught, I call them out too. And it just so happens that KD is on your head right now. I couldn't imagine someone being weaker than that. And then literally hours later, Kyrie Irving's high ass got on ESPN's first take. And I don't know if you guys saw the interview by now. You probably have seen clips. But my goodness, say what you want. Like, look, y'all know I'm not the biggest Kyrie fan. I don't think he's an awful basketball player. I just don't think he's as good as people prop him up to be at times. But uh, it's clear that he believes that the earth is flat because he makes no sense. And it was just so funny. Man, shout out to Max Kellerman. Shout out to Max Kellerman. You know, he was trying to ask Kyrie just the basic question, the question that we all want to know. Like, what's up with you and LeBron? And do you think that you can be better without LeBron? It was that clear. And Kyrie, he was so in his feelings. And <laughs> first off, Kyrie is way too good to be on first take. The only other player, like star player that I remember ever being on the desk is like Chris Bosh. <laughs> hey, yo, and side note, I remember Skip Bayless used to call it Chris Bosh, Bosh Spice. <laughs> yo, man, ain't no way in the world somebody gonna call me Bosh Spice, and I'm gonna be on his show giving him ratings. But never mind that. Other players, you know, I remember Von Miller, I guess he was on not too long ago, but he was doing like a remote, a remote thing where he's going on all these different television shows nationally and lo locally. And, like, he's selling Old Spice. So, you know, he's pitching Old Spice, not on, like, on some other set in a completely different state. And they'll ask him a few questions, and, and that's it. 
and then you know boxers will get on there because they're promoting fights, UFC fighters, things of that nature. But like a top NBA or NFL star, like currently playing on the set the whole show, I was like Kyrie, what are you doing? And he did himself no favors. He wasn't answering questions. He sounded like he was confused. He's talking about woke people know that there's no such thing as distractions. Man, what the hell is Kyrie smoking? So all this happened in a matter of hours. Two of the biggest faces, two of the bigger stars, two of the most popular players in this league. Just completely putting themselves out on front street as emotional wrecks. And it got me thinking, man, <laughs> the NBA is really just soap opera for uh, like sports fans. If you think about it, like, I don't even know if they have soap operas anymore. You know, I don't know if they just do judge shows and talk shows anymore, but you know, they used to say this about wrestling, like professional wrestling was soap opera for men. And the NBA is just soap opera for sports fans. And I love it because we all know who's going to win a championship next year. We pretty much already know who's going to be in the finals. But even despite that, the characters are what makes us love this stuff, man. Kyrie making a fool out of himself was hilarious to me. Hilarious. And I, and I, don't, I don't even know what he was talking about. But it was clear two things. He don't rock with LeBron, and he doesn't rock with Max Kellerman. You know what I mean? Those two things were clear. And you know what? Despite the fact that Kyrie was on some, you know, X-Files stuff, like his, he was on some other wavelength, you know what I mean? I appreciate the fact that although he may not have come out and said it, he at least didn't tweet it, you know what I mean, from an anonymous fake account. He was straight up. He told y'all. He like, no, nah, I didn't tell LeBron I was going. Why should I? I appreciate that. And then Kevin Durant, finals MVP a few hours before that, gets caught tweeting from fake accounts. What other sport would give you that in their off season? <laughs> Man, when I started this podcast, I started it in like April. You know, so, you know, I'm an NBA head. I'm a boxing head. The NFL draft was right around the corner. There was so much stuff to talk about. And I was worried. I was talking to a few people who have pods and stuff. And they were like, yo, Summer months are going to be tough for you. And I got to tell you, man, the summer months have flown by. I have enjoyed these last few weeks of doing this show. And it's because the NBA, I mean, one of the main, I have every show that I have done, I have talked about the NBA. Every single one. And they're not forced. And that's one of the reasons why I love this sport so much. Not just because, I, in my opinion, they're the best athletes in the world. Not just because it's fun to watch the game. Not just because, I mean, it's clearly not because my team is any good. They suck. We all know that. I'm a Knicks fan. It's cool. But the characters, unlike football, and I guess unlike baseball, the NBA likes their players, likes their, you know, their players, their employees, if you will, to show themselves, show their personalities. And even if they come across as super weak, even if they come across as almost an airhead like Kyrie, it works for them and plays to the league's advantage. Advantage, excuse me. Because they sell character plus the athleticism in addition to the game. And that's one of the reasons why the NBA will always be my favorite sport. 
Hopefully this podcast is one of your favorites as well. If so, make sure you go to iTunes and look up the show. It's The Quarterly Report, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. You do the search, you subscribe when you see my show's icon, click on it and subscribe. And while you're at it, please leave a review and rate the show. But all right, guys, that's basketball. We're going to get back to the hardwood in a second. But this upcoming quarter, we're going to step inside the square circle to review a controversial Saturday night this past weekend. Second quarter. I swear, it sometimes feels like boxing can't stay out of his own way. Of course, I'm talking about the huge middleweight showdown this past Saturday between Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. Um, I don't know about you all. If you did watch the fight, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can always tweet at me. The show's at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or you can email us at thequarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, quarterlyreport at gmail.com. But, you know, watching Saturday night, man, I, I had butterflies. I was so excited for this fight. I literally waited years for that fight, as did every other boxing fan. And I was sick. I actually was sick. Should have went to sleep, but nah, man. That And that card was a fun card. It was a really, really fun card. Good fights. Promising prospects. You see uh, one of the young, young up-and-comers, Jojo Davis. He's going to be fighting probably Gary Russell. Um, very soon, a Maryland boy himself, a champion. That's going to be a really impressive fight. So you got to see him, what he kind of does in the ring, his skills, and what he needs to work on. And then the main event. And, you know, the main event was hyped up to God knows what degree. You know what I mean? And, you know, maybe I played a part in that, too. And if you were th- if you went into the fight thinking Hagler Hearns, you may have been disappointed. But I don't know if anything could ever live up to Hagler Hearns. I mean, those are the those type of fights are if you get something that's like that, you just cherish it for the rest of your life. You can't expect fights to live up to that degree. You know what I mean? But this fight on Saturday was so much fun. I mean, it was 12 rounds, nonstop action packed. You don't remember the ref at all because there weren't, any, there wasn't any clinching. There were no butts. It was, it was a fight that flew by because there weren't any pauses in action. It was just constant action. And you know, some people may have been disappointed because there weren't any knockdowns. But I, I challenge you to rewatch the fight and look at some of the punches that Canelo landed to Golovkin. Canelo would have knocked out essentially every other middleweight <laughs> and probably fighters who are fighting heavier as well. I mean, he threw just bombs at Golovkin. And I'm not just talking headshots either. Some of the body punches, I mean, Canelo had a masterful fight. You know, he worked the body. He threw the most, I guess, in my opinion, the most meaningful shots, like the shots that you remember. You were like, oh, Right. So just because there weren't any knockdowns isn't doesn't mean that the fight wasn't exciting. It's just a testament to just how amazing a fighter that Gennady Golovkin is. I mean, he's got a chin of steel, literally. Also, Golovkin was throwing bombs, too. He wasn't throwing as many combinations because obviously he was a little concerned about being counterpunched because Canelo was amazing. But some of those Shots that Gennady would have hit any other fighter. Canelo is just so skilled at getting out the way, slipping punches. He slipped so many punches Saturday night. It was so impressive. 
So Gennady Golovkin was throwing heat seekers. But Canelo was just so skilled that he was able to slip them. Those are things that maybe if you're not a boxing fan, you may not appreciate. But I think even if you aren't a boxing fan, if, you, if you're not looking at it, it's, I look at it like this. When I watch soccer oftentimes and I'm watching it with people who really, really know the game, I will miss things because I'm just a casual fan. Even though I love sports and I've seen God knows how many soccer matches, right? But if you watch something with someone who really, really knows the game and they'll point something out, it happens to me with hockey oftentimes when I watch hockey with people who really like the sport and they're like, yo, did you see that? And they'll show the replay. And now that it's on my mind, I'm like, yo, that joint was super ill. Same thing with boxing. You may not, you may not appreciate, right? The fact that Canelo was able to slip all those punches in real time. But now that I mention it to you, and you'll think like, yo, Golovkin is a knockout machine, but he couldn't knock out Canelo because Canelo was getting out of all those heat-seeking rights, right? There weren't that many combination punches being thrown or landed, excuse me, by Cane or Golovkin, although Triple G did land the most punches. But despite the exciting fight, despite the, the, the amazing chin by Golovkin, despite the amazing defense by Canelo, despite the fact that it was a riveting 36 minutes, right, of action. What are we talking about this week? What are we talking about the fight? Not even the fact that it's a draw, but the one judge who scored it 118-110, essentially meaning she thought Canelo won 10 out of a 12 of a possible 12 rounds. And unfortunately, man, this happens with boxing all the time. And as someone who loves the sport, it just gets so frustrating. Now, I'm not going to be like Teddy Atlas and lose my damn mind and cause myself to have a damn stroke arguing and being upset. Because Teddy Atlas, man, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to worry about him. That can't be healthy. <laughs> like getting up, that upset that often. But the sport of boxing has to do something because they just shot themselves in the foot. Now, I don't think this is a doomsday scenario because ultimately I have no problem with the fight being drawn or scored a draw. Personally, I thought Golovkin won seven rounds to five, right? But even saying that, and I tweeted this during the fight, there were at least at least four rounds that they were just super hard to score, just incredibly hard to score. And partly it's because of what I was talking about earlier. So many people like Golovkin because his style, his style is fun. You know what I mean? So when you see... Canelo throw a punch and like snap his head back, but Canelo, but Golovkin keeps walking forward. You know, that's fun. And you're entertained by that. And I can see why, you know what? You could score that for him. But you can't ignore the fact that Canelo threw an amazing punch. Right? The the best combinations were thrown by Canelo. The biggest punches were thrown by Canelo. The best body work was done by Canelo. And the best defense was done by Canelo. And this is coming from someone who thought Golovkin won. I thought Canelo lost the fight. But you can't deny any of those things that I just said. Also, you can't deny the fact that Golovkin, I mean, he's literally <laughs> the bad robot from Terminator 2. He just does not stop coming. He'll, I mean, he stalks you. I, I, I don't know of another way to describe Gennady Golovkin's fighting style. He just stalks you. He took Canelo's best punches. Canelo 
with some of the best knockouts in recent history. Through all he had, Canelo would throw a punch and then shake his right hand as if either to say, yeah, I know I got you, or damn, that hurt my hand, I hit you so hard. And Golovkin kept coming forward. Think about how exhausting that is, not just physically, but mentally. You know what I mean? That no matter what you throw, punches that have put fighters, legit fighters, former champions, unconscious for moments at a time on the canvas, didn't even make Gennady Golovkin take a step back. He kept coming forward, right? And although Canelo was amazing, looking like Neo on the ropes and making Gennady Golovkin miss several punches, Golovkin did dictate the fight. And Golovkin did land some very good, very impressive, albeit he didn't really string his punches together. When when Canelo got on the ropes, Golovkin would attack. He didn't attack like he usually does out of respect for Canelo's counterpunching skills. But you can't you can't just dismiss the fact that Canelo showed very good defense. That doesn't mean that Golovkin didn't outbox him, right? Because there were times when Canelo was on it looking for an escape route. But Gennady just cuts the ring off. So the idea Again, I'm saying this as someone who thought Golovkin won the fight, but I have spoken to people that I truly respect when it comes to boxing, and they scored that fight to Canelo. And when it happens like that, right, that's that's the ultimate sign of a draw. Before the scores were even read, everybody who watched the fight on Twitter, whatever, was like, yo, man, they got to run that back. That was that much of a, of a great fight, super entertaining, and there was a legit, there was a legit, like, yo, who's going to win this fight? Again, let me give you the perfect example. I scored the first three rounds to Canelo, but I know people who scored the first round to Golovkin. And then two of the judges scored round three to Golovkin. So while I thought the first three rounds were Canelo's rounds, right, I can't disagree with anyone who thought round one went to Golovkin because it was that close and vice versa. Also, I thought the last two rounds went to Canelo. So let's just say from my card, I had the first three and the last two to Canelo. But there were four rounds, including round 10, that were very close to score. That gets you six right there if I just take one of those four and give it to Canelo. So the idea of a draw is not outlandish. The idea of a draw isn't absurd. But unfortunately, even though the outcome, even though the outcome was a legit outcome, the one judge's scorecard was completely absurd. And that mars the entire fight, not just the entire fight, the entire sport. Because on, on Monday, and on Sunday and Tuesday, instead of just talking about, yo, we saw an amazing fight. What are we talking about? Damn. Boxing just can't get out of his way. And some of it is boxing's fault. Look, no one can deny the sport has a history of corruption. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can say about it. You can't escape that fact. And we're not talking about, you know, 1940, 1960. We're talking about 2017, 2016. There are too many instances where just sketchy things happen. But then some of it is when it comes to these subjective sports. Right? They lend itself to these type of, I don't know, um, unbecoming results.
Think about figure skating, Olympic figure skating, right? We always talk about the Russian judges. You know what I mean? UFC. The 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 lady who was scoring this boxing match, the 118-110, she also has some questionable UFC uh score cards recently that I've learned about. So I don't know what can be done. I mean, ultimately, you have to do some type of merit-based judging, right? You have to score the judges. And to get on any type of high-prized championship fight, you've got to carry a certain, you know, grade average. But that sounds good to say, right? But who is going to judge the judges? Who's scoring the judges? Because, again, the fights are all subjective. So many people tie themselves to CompuBox, right? And it's a very, it's useful. It's a, it's a tool. It's useful. But it's not the end-all, be-all. Golovkin threw more punches and landed more punches, but he's the, he's the natural aggressive fighter. It, it would be silly for Canelo to throw as many punches with Golovkin. He can't win that way. Just because the fighter is moving forward, even oftentimes, even if you're the aggressor, doesn't mean that you naturally are winning. So just because you throw more punches, just because you land more punches, doesn't mean ultimately that you won the fight. I mean, Canelo would have been dumb to try to go toe-to-toe. I said as much last week. That's not a fight Canelo can win. You know what I mean? So it can't just be CompuBox. It also can't just be who threw the biggest punch. Because if we were talking about who threw the biggest punch, Canelo was the guy who landed the most significant punches of the night. But he's not the he's not the same. He doesn't have the power that Golovkin has. You know what I mean? That's not so you see what I'm saying? The sport is the sport is so that saying, yo, let's just judge the judges and keep this grade. And if you're below uh 88% percentile, you know, you can't judge these fights. That sounds good, but how are we going to apply it? Because judging is just by nature is hard. You could do you could adopt what UFC does and have five judges, you know, and that makes sense. Because one judge's crazy score wouldn't be as impactful as it is. You know, one-fifth is much less than one-third, obviously, right? But I know guys who love the UFC, and they tell me all the time, UFC has issues with their judges as well. They got some crazy scorecards. So you know what? I honestly don't know. I really do not know how we fix it. But look, it ain't my job to fix it. I can sit here and tell you I don't have the answer, but I can tell you that something's wrong. You know what I mean? If you're driving down the street in your car is smoking from under his hood. I may not be able to tell you how to fix it, but I can tell you that James, something's wrong with that joint and something's wrong with the sport of boxing. They got to fix this. They got to do something. If you want to get a, a commissioner, just a, like a, a boxing czar, if you will, who oversees all the, the, um, the bodies of the sport. And then that they grade the judges. And I don't know how you would do it. I honestly don't know. And you know what? As someone who loves the sport, I'd be down with them just trying, trying something new. But I waited way too long, way too long, and enjoyed myself far too much Saturday evening to allow that to give the sport a black eye, man. Because whatever you say, whomever you thought won that fight, Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez gave it everything they had. And the fact that we're not respecting them I mean, they're, they're putting their bodies literally on the line 
And despite the fact that they gave us the fight that we wanted when we wanted it, despite the fact that they gave us a show, they gave us a show. We're talking about one judge, one judge and her absurd card, despite the fact that it got the result that it probably deserved. Think about that. And when you're in that position, it's clear the sport needs a change. Hopefully you guys don't think y'all need to change from this podcast. I hope you're enjoying the show. This is the quarterly report. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at quarterly Q U A R T E R L E E show. And also subscribe to the show on iTunes. All you got to do is go to iTunes podcast section, search the quarterly report again, quarterly spelled Q U A R T E R L E E. You'll see the icon with my face on the coin. Click on that subscribe. And once you do that, rate and review the show. All right, guys, it's time for halftime. We're going to do something a little bit different because this week I'm asking for your help to relive a bit of my and yours own childhood. Take a listen. If you're a fan of the Wizards, Celtics, Bulls, Blazers, or Warriors, you've heard this song before. That is the CSN NBA theme music. CSN, or Comcast Sportsnet, is the owner of NBC and their properties. But with the NBA season about a month away, imagine hearing this before tip-off. is the NBA on NBC. That's right. The classic NBA on NBC theme music, or Round Ball Rock, is sitting in some library picking up dust. Let's change that by starting the hashtag Bring Back Tesh, as in John Tesh, the creator of the theme music. There's no reason why all the NBC sports markets shouldn't use this theme for their broadcast. Let's make basketball great again. Help me hashtag bring back Tesh. If you listen to the show before, you know I like to have fun when it comes to halftime, but I'm being dead ass serious with this one. This is something that is near and dear to my heart. Just when I was playing the music, I felt, you know what I'm saying? All the nostalgia. I was ready to go outside and play basketball. I didn't play ball in forever. About ready to tear up an ACL or something. Just that music, man. Like, and look, if you were in your 20s and you listen, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Like, I don't mean to sound like the old man. You know what I'm saying? But for real, if you are in your 20s, I don't care if you are 29 and your birthday is tomorrow. You have no idea what that music means, man. It brings out something in anybody who grew up in the 80s and 90s or even before then. You know what I mean? Like, that music is legendary. And I can't imagine, uh, I'm being dead ass serious when I tell you, I'm going to tell you a real story. A few years back, two years ago, essentially, you know, I'm working at uh, CSN Mid-Atlantic, which is located right outside of D.C. And I talked to one of my bosses and I had, I've had this idea for years because it just doesn't make sense, right? Like, it's basically the equivalent of having a Porsche and never driving it. You know, you got the Whatever car you imagine is the the baddest one, you know, and you don't ever bring it out the garage. 
Like, what's the purpose? You know what I mean? Like, you are sitting on, in my opinion, the best sports theme music ever. Like, you hear that and you're like, yo, goosebumps literally will come up on anybody who grew up watching the NBA. You know what I mean? Bob Costas, uh, Steve Snapper Jones, uh, Marv Albert, Bill Walton, you know what I'm saying? Dan Gukas, or whatever his name was. You know what I'm saying? Like, legendary. Like, every Sunday morning was the NBA or NBC triple header, and the Knicks would get embarrassed. <laughs> and even despite the fact that my favorite team would they would lose in spectacular fashion, and I would get, like, killed at school the next day. Every week I would come back to watch it because it was that dope. I'm being dead ass serious. So I talked to my boss and I'm like, yo, we should do this. We should bring back the NBA on NBC music because again, Comcast owns NBC. So you have all these NBC, they're called RSNs. They stand for regional sports network. So in Philadelphia with the Sixers, DC with the Wizards, Boston with the Celtics, Chicago, like I said, Portland, the Blazers and the Warriors, the whole nine, all these markets have NBC Philly or NBC Chicago, you know what I mean? Which is essentially the, what Comcast Sportsnet Mid-Atlantic or Comcast Sportsnet Philly or Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. They've just rebranded it. But the NBC properties are owned by Comcast. So why wouldn't you just imagine opening night in the league? I don't know who the Wizards are playing. I don't know if you're a Sixers fan who the Sixers are playing opening night, right? But just imagine that first night and unexpectedly, unexpectedly, you hear the John Tess giant. Slim, you would be so hyped. You would be so hyped. Like, yo, they brought it back. They think about think of think of it like this. Sunday night football. Sunday night football. Right? The Falcons they scored a touchdown in one of the game celebrations. They pretended like they shot a basketball, right? And going to break. They played the John Tesh music. So you know they have the ability to do it because they did it in football. But not just that. The reaction, the reaction to them just playing round ball rock going to break was crazy. People were all over Twitter and social media talking about, yo, that was dope. That was the best producing that they've seen. And, and side note, that was great producing. Whoever was producing that, the fact that they had that on cue, that was super dope, but I digress. That's the producer talking. There's no reason why Golden State fans, Blazers fans, Wizards fans, Bulls fans, Celtics fans, Sixers fans shouldn't hear that. I mean, however many games those teams are broadcasted through NBC Sports, they should hear that. I can't imagine a better marketing plan than just simply playing that song as you as you begin your telecast. I'm being dead ass serious here. Like this isn't even a quarter. I'm just I, I should be transitioning to the third quarter, but I'm not because I feel so strongly about this. Lim. So for real, I'm being dead ass serious. Let's let's see if we could do this, man. Because there's really no reason why it shouldn't be already done. Hashtag bring Tesh back. Tesh is in John Tesh. I'm being dead ass serious. There's, there's a month to go before the season, so it may be too late, but hell, if if people see how important this is and how size people are for this, they can change it. They can easily change it. Again, they played it on Sunday Night Football. 
So I'm being serious, y'all. Rock with me on this one. Hashtag bring Tesh back. We need the NBA on NBC theme music, man. We need it. We need it desperately. Because that new joint they got, while it's not awful, man, ain't nobody trying to hear that no more. Come on, baby. Let's move it. Let's keep it funky, man. Let's let's go with the let's go with the winner. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I, man, I don't know, man. I hear that music, man. I'm ready to go, baby. I'm ready to, like, throw some punches and box out because, you know, I wasn't, like, the, a score. I was a fouler. You know, I learned from Charles Oakley. So, you know, I'm ready to go ahead and get a, get a flagrant out this joint, man. But we're going to keep the show moving, right? The first half is done. Halftime is done. We've got two quarters left, starting with my cousin Sadiq making his monthly appearance. Y'all know him well by now. We're going to talk all things NBA and even a little NFL. My cousin Sadiq Abdul right now. Y'all already know what time it is. Each month, my cousin, my blood stops by. It's one of the most popular segments, popular shows in terms of downloads and feedback. My cousin, promoter Sadiq Abdul joining me right now on the quarterly report. Sadiq, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, cuz? How you doing, man? All right, so let's get right to it. Dick, you are just like me, a huge NBA fan, and I can't imagine a week in any sports offseason that has been as strange, as entertaining, and as bizarre as we've seen so far with the NBA. We're going to start things off with Kevin Durant. Now, he's a finals MVP coming off of his first championship and finals MVP, yet we discover on Monday morning, early Monday morning, he has a fake account, an anonymous account, in which he responds and replies and even attacks his own trolls, but doing it not as Kevin Durant, but he created this account um, to be someone else to attack and defend himself. It's such a bizarre story. It's so crazy. I got to know your thoughts on Kevin Durant. Uh, this is this is definitely right up my eye. This is something I have uh conversing about all day. Um, let me see here. Basically, the, my outlook on KD thing is, if I could even talk to him and give him advice, it's just like, don't worry about these other people. He's so caught up in it and worried about what people are saying about him so much that he's out here making fake accounts just to troll them back. And, you know, it's just, it's, man, right. I, I cannot believe a grown man is even doing this, this type of thing that he's doing. Somebody, somebody of his stature, not just a grown man, but somebody that's out here winning, and doing good in life just in general. You know, finals MVP, you have other MVPs. These people's opinion shouldn't even matter to this type of to this type of point. And if it does matter to you that much, if you know that you're that type of person, deep down where, where others say about you matter, where people call him snake and that he saw for cup, cupcake and all these other things that they're saying about him, then just get offline. Yeah. It's simple as that. It's not hard to, you know, the stuff that people say about you, it's not hard to get away from that. Just get offline. And, you know, in my opinion, at least, the worst thing about it is this persona that Kevin Durant has kind of crafted of he's the Slim Reaper. You know, he's the snake. He doesn't no more Mr. Nice Guy. He had the, the commercial a few years back, the baddest man. He's got all these things, like he's the silent assassin. He doesn't care what people think about him. When it's clear, it's clear he not only does he care, he's almost like obsessed with pleasing people. You remember when he, he got upset and went back when he was in OKC when the, they had one headline that says Mr. Unreliable, and he threw a fit. He got upset at Stephen A. Smith. You know what I'm saying? His mother's defending him. It's like all these things, now that you see the light, it makes sense. Like, he's 
he's like super touch sensitive about not just his critics, but almost like he wants to please everyone. And that's fine if you're sensitive. Don't get me wrong. If, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But don't fake like you're the silent assassin. You're the slim reaper. You the you the you the bad guy. Like 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 this stuff doesn't bother you when it's clear it does. See, what it what it is, at least in my aspect or, or you know my opinion of it, I see that he does care and and really he's trying to trick himself into thinking that he either doesn't care or he's that type of like he's the type of assassin and just not worried about it. He is worried about it. Right. Therefore, he knows that he's worried about it. And like even the move to go to state in the back of his mind. In the back, back, back of his mind, he know it was a, I guess the word everybody's calling it, the cupcake snake sucker move. You know, so he knows that it is. Right. You know, he knows, he deep, deep down, he knows it is. He well, he took the easy way out, but he's trying to justify that is, you know, I had to make this move for my career. I was in one place for nine years. I mean, you know, the same song and dance that everybody that doesn't make these super teams move tries to justify it and make it okay. So everybody's like, oh, you know what, you're right, it is okay. No, you know that you did wrong. You exactly. know, in the in, in the in the in the aspect of competition, you know, I mean, yeah, you got the championship, so you didn't do wrong in the sense of, you know, bettering your career and, and and getting more trophies and accolades under underneath your name. So no, he didn't do wrong in that aspect. But for the for the sense of competition and and just you know making things better, making the game widespread better, and and actually beating you know to beating things that you couldn't accomplish at first and overcoming things, you know, he did wrong. I mean, exactly. he, he was one quarter away from himself. It's, and I, I could see if his teammates let him down and all that. So that's what he tried to say in the, in the IG or the, the tweet that he did from the other account, which he thought was his. I could see if his teammates let him down. But as the MVP, he know getting well, he let himself down. They're up 3-1. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, they're still up 3-1. And you went and got with that same team. So basically what he did is, like, you know, so that, he basically went to, like, a whole game that killed their friends and he went hopped over or something like that. You know, he know he did wrong. And the strangest thing about it, and you said it yourself, his entire decision, right, to go to Golden State, it was validated. He won the championship. He won finals MVP. He hit the big shots over LeBron. And yet, even still, with all that said, all the accolades that he, that he received this summer, he still f- finds, I guess, he feels it necessary that not only he has to defend himself, which if he wants to defend himself, if he wants to go at his trolls online, go ahead and do it under your own account. But not only did he feel like he had to go at people, he felt the need to create a fake account to disguise himself to respond. Not to psychoanalyze, but that's, that's crazy to me. Not to mention, he's the same guy who has all his crit- critics and critiques and all the stuff that people said bad about him and his statistics at the bottom of his shoe. Like this dude cares so much about what other people says about him, right? Other people say about him, despite the fact that he's had, like this is the year for him to celebrate. It makes no sense. It's time to can't let it go at all. Like like I said, even even uh, when you talked the other day, even I talked the other day, it's kind of like a guy that sucker punched another guy and he know he was wrong for punching that guy. Everybody get on his back like, oh, you did a sucker move. But he's trying to justify saying, oh, no, well, I had to get him and all this. But, no, he know deep down that it was a sucker move. So he's right. trying to, you know saying, validate himself and justify it to, to himself and everyone else. So sooner or later it could just kind of get swept under the rug and go away. But, you know, but by him doing stuff like this, it's still being talked about. It's never going to go away until he allows it to just to go away. Sooner or later people are going to forget about him. Somebody else is going to do something, and, it's gonna, and in this kind of situation it's kind of going to die down. But 
he just won a championship. He could have been okay. Just get offline, go enjoy your millions, go enjoy everything you're doing, go, you know, go on vacation, just do everything else. But, you know, he's still getting on both phones and worrying about all this. <laughs> Once again, y'all, I'm joined by my cousin, cousin Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst, D.C. native, born and bred. And, you know, much like myself, Deke, I know I can speak for you on this. I'm a huge NBA fan. I know you are. We're both super excited about the upcoming season. But I can't think of another sport, man, that's had as wild and as exciting of an offseason. So we just talked about Kevin Durant. But hours later, Monday, Kyrie Irving goes on ESPN on first take. And, you know, you hear the, you hear the saying all the time, man, must-see TV. But his interview truly was must-see TV on Monday. It really was. I agree. Um, so <laughs> he was all over the place. He was contradicting himself. He, in my opinion, wasn't really making a lot of sense. There was so I mean, that interview had so much in in terms of just entertainment and just kind of like head scratching, you know what I mean, uh dialogue. So I would like to hear your thoughts, not just on the interview, but also on the dynamic that clearly still exists between Kyrie and LeBron James. Well, what it looked like, it looked like to me that Kobe had died and passed <laughs> and, and was reincarnated as Kyrie. Because I'm telling you, he had a dead look, the dead look in his eyes when, uh, when um, Max asked him about, you know, asked him about the LeBron question. And he sat out there, man, I ain't got to say nothing to that man. <laughs> That's basically what he said. And, with, you know what I'm saying, with, you know, not putting it in so many words. Just, he just basically said, man, look, I don't got to say nothing to that man. I'm my own man. I'm leaving. You know, it's funny because when Kobe was coming up, you would hear his interviews and you could tell – the influence that Michael Jordan had on him. You know what I mean? You would listen to a Kobe Bryant interview and you were like, man, that sounds like someone doing an impersonation of Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? And it's wild because, and you hit the nail right on the head, listening to Kyrie speak on Monday was like listening to someone doing a Kobe Bryant impersonation. It's It was, it was like, yo, this guy is like baby Kobe. Yes, and I agree. That's the beauty of the game also because another another – 10 years or so, we'll see some other kids coming up doing the Kyrie. Right. So, you know, it's just that's the beauty of the game where everybody learns from somebody. Like, even the Michael Jordan the interviews you hear, he learned little, or he took little aspects out of people's games or, or personalities from, like, Magic and Dr. J, you know, that he was growing up watching. So that's the beauty of the game. But, yes, that, that Kyrie interview, was it was hilarious in its own right because not only was the questions that they were trying to get, like, you know, they were trying to get controversial answers coming out of Kyrie, which he was not trying to give them. But he was also, like, beating around the bush or, let me see, uh, he was just, he was saying things that, like, he was contradicting himself. He was coming back with so much. It was, it was actually hilarious. That was much CTV, like you said. Look, man, let's, I'm not going to pull any punches, full disclosure. I am biased. I'm a huge NBA fan. I've said it from the jump. But I, like I said earlier, man, I do not know of an offseason like this in any sport ever. Like, this offseason for the NBA has been so much more entertaining than the regular season last year. And like you said, it was clear Kyrie didn't want to give the controversial soundbite. He didn't want to give, like, the, you know what I mean, the bulletin board material about him and LeBron. But it was so clear he does not like LeBron. Like, even in spite of the fact that he was trying not to give you the soundbite, his natural and his genuine emotion and displeasure with LeBron just seeked through him. And it was, it was 
captivating. I was watching that like it was a movie, like it was a summer blockbuster thinking, yo, this is so wild. Yeah. And the basketball guys or whoever did the schedule had the first game. And it is, man, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. For a basketball fan, that is as big as a sports fan. That's as big as the Super Bowl. October was the 16th or 17th. I am looking forward to it. Once again, I'm joined by my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, for his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report. And, Sadiq, we've been talking basketball, but we're going to switch over to the gridiron now. Full disclosure, you know, you bleed burgundy and gold, right? We know that. <clears throat> This week, and I've been in this area now for a little over a little over a decade, you know, but being from Richmond, always come up over the summer, spend time with grandma. So, you know, D.C. is in my blood. My mom was born and raised in D.C. It's in my blood. And speaking to someone who has watched Washington, the ups and the downs, I'm going to say ever since I can remember, and I've watched football, right? I don't know of a bigger star, star, not not saying the best of uh, the best player, but a, the biggest star for this team than that one year that RG3 had. But that's five years ago. And for those of you who don't know, Washington won their first game this past Sunday in L.A. And instead of talking about the win, Monday, Santana Moss, a former wide receiver for Washington, said that RG3, obviously former quarterback here, committed the cardinal sin is what he said, right? He was celebrating that Washington let go of Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan. And that was the biggest story in D.C. sports all day Monday, and so much so that it then bled into Tuesday. Again, RG3 does not play for Washington and hasn't played for them for two years now. RG3 is not even in the league. So, Sadiq, I'm asking you, why does this town care so much still about Robert Griffin III? Okay, let me get right to it. First, he will. That's my man. Like you said, <laughs> today, the other day, he, he caught our heart so much that one year that I am actually praying that he gets another job in the league. Everybody wants the Kaepernick to get to be the first quarterback called up. Me personally, right. I want I wanted to be RG. That's my guy. But anyway, but I'm going to tell you what it is, though. Actually, the reason why this whole Santana thing came up, Santana is in the media himself now. He, you know, he has his yeah. own show on Comcast with the Redskins, and, and he's kind of, you know, doing the analyst a little bit uh, after the game. So basically, he needs something to talk about. You know, the same thing with, like, Strahan when he first got on Fox. They were right. asking questions, questions of, like, the locker room and, Certain yeah. guys that you did, so therefore Santana needed something to talk about, and he already knew that RG is a big, you know, is a big topic or, or a big superstar to talk about in the first place. So that's right. where that that's where that actually came from. But the love for RG, you got to realize here in Washington, we haven't had a winner since, as far as Redskins, any any winner, <laughs> we right. haven't had any winner in a while. But as far as the Redskins, we haven't had a, a legit winning team or winner since what the nineties, early nineties, and we also haven't had a high pick like that, like we had. So we actually right. traded. We actually traded up. Daniel Snyder did, you know, did the great marketing as far as selling him on us. You know, doing all that type of stuff to, you know, just market his name and everything. The guy won the MVP. I mean, not not the MVP. Was the, uh, the Heisman. Yeah. So he won the Heisman. I mean, it was so much hype behind him. And then to come in and actually be a success the first year. You know, like normally rookies don't come in and do and 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 do exactly what he did. You know, as far as going out and with the scrutiny behind you and everything and, and the microscope that he's under, to still go win the division. He won the division, and, you know, and, and 
we were up 14 nothing on on Seattle. So we were actually in, in prime position to win our first playoff game also, you know, if the injuries and everything didn't fall through. So that's why he was so beloved because we just haven't had that type of excitement or, you know, just winning so it's so fast paced, just coming just forward. You know what I mean? But not only was he just productive and did he win games and, you know, led the team to the playoffs. RG three was exciting. 2012. It was, he was just an exciting football player. Some, a player that Washington hadn't seen in forever, especially at the quarterback. Exactly. Game. It was very exciting. You know, like this new day and age of, you know, option quarterbacks or, you know, quarterbacks that take off running. And everything. he was, he's legitimately, uh, him and Cam, you might could say that they're the closest thing to Michael Vick. Like Michael Vick kind of set right. people off, you know, with his running and stuff, and and and, and how exciting he was. But like RG, man, I'm gonna tell you, he caught my heart personally. Giants yeah. game, even though we lost this Giants game, it was up in Meadowlands. The Giants game, it was like fourth and fourteen. He ducked underneath a JPP and like one of the other linemen that were coming at him. He did all these things and then hit the uh, hit the tight end Paulson in the middle of the field that was on his knees. That play was impossible. That was like some video game play. You know, the game was over if we don't get that first. Right. And it's, it's like that's the type of player he was. So, yes, it was it's also an excitement, not just getting the job done, but he brought a level of excitement to it. So that's why he's still – and plus, he, now that Kurt is our quarterback, RG and Kurt are still going to be semi-always linked together regardless right. of what. They can't – you know, same draft. You know, Kurt, you know, succeeded him as being – taking his uh, position. You know, you know, since Gruden came and everything. So as long as Kurt is also here, then you're kind of going to always have some type of remnants of RG somehow within the media. Somebody, you know, plus there's always something to talk about. They want to bring something up, so therefore, you know, to keep their job, keep their business going. Everything, you know, you need something to say, so that's what it is. Once again, that's my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report. He's a promoter, sports analyst, born and bred in D.C., Deep, man, you already know what time it is. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and I'll catch you in October, bro. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me as always. Quarterly fans, hey, love y'all too, man. Everybody have a good one. All right, y'all, y'all already know. That's family right there. My cousin, man, love the dude, and, you know, always comes with it. But that last topic, the RG3 dynamic, and I don't know if if you're not in D.C. or not familiar with the area, it may seem so weird. It makes probably makes no sense. Like the fascination, the obsession that this town, this area, this fan base has with him, considering that he's not in the league. But I wanted to stay there because I had my I had some other opinions. You know what I mean? Some other feelings on not just Robert Griffin the third, but the dynamic between he and Kirk Cousins. So that's where we're gonna end things with our fourth topic this week. Quarter. Living in DC is uh or in the DC area, excuse me. Is, is quite something. I mean, there are a lot of things that are really, really polarizing nationally, but even more so, it seems like, in this area. I mean, whether it's politics, obviously, or the metro, which actually isn't polarizing. You know what I mean? That's one thing in this area, that's, which is universal. Everybody hates the metro. You've got the roads. You've got all these things at once kind of just circling over each other, Right. But the one thing, maybe the most polarizing thing in this area are the burgundy and gold. And nothing better better illustrates this than this week for Washington. So Sunday, they get their first win of the year. They beat the Rams. You know, not really saying much, but, you know, the Rams were 1-0. They're, the Rams' new head coach is Washington's former offensive coordinator. And Kirk Cousins, 
led the game-winning drive. You got to give him credit. He didn't play well the whole game, but when it mattered, one of the biggest knocks on him is that he doesn't play well in the biggest moments. Well, on Sunday, he did. You know, you can't take it away from him, right? So despite all of that, despite winning on Sunday, despite everyone else in your division losing, <laughs> Monday, somehow, some way, DC media, sports media, found themselves talking about Santana Moss saying how RG3, you know, he, he did the cardinal sin and he was celebrating Mike Shanahan's, um, you know, removal as head coach of the Burgundy of Gold. Think about that now, right? You have Santana Moss, who I don't know, but, you know, I got a few guys who know him, who know him well and they, they vouch for him, right? Good dude by all accounts. But he hasn't played for the team in a few years now. So coming off of your first win, Tana, a guy who hasn't played for the team in years, is talking about how RG3, a quarterback who hasn't played for this team in years, who's not in the league anymore, right, was rejoicing at Mike Shanahan, who hasn't coached this team in some years, who's not coaching in the NFL anymore. He was rejoicing that he's gone. This is literally hours after winning your first game of the year. And I and we talked about this earlier with my cousin in the last quarter. This RG3 thing in D.C., I don't know. And again, I'm in it. I'm in it. You know, I used to cover him or, you know, produce shows that covered him every day when it was the one year where it's really, really high and then all the the lows that came after it, all the drama that came after it. But for whatever reason, D.C., they can't get enough of RG3. And now they can't get enough of his. They love, they, they rejoice, right, in the drama of RG3 now that he's gone. And, you know, my cousin gave you a perspective from a fan, right, from a Washington fan of kind of why. Because that one year he was here, man, he was larger than life. I'll never forget it. I was at a Wizards game, and the Wizards were down, and then they came back. They had a huge comeback. And instead of cheering on the team, they were cheering RG3. RG3. I'm not lying. This dude, for like however many months it was, was just the biggest guy in D.C. They were talking about naming schools after him. This is his one year. The one year he had. And it's it's odd because when you listen, and again, this is really, really focused and specific to D.C., right, in this area. When you listen to the, and I'm not an RG3 fan, mind you. I didn't. I never liked RG3. I didn't like him when they drafted him. I didn't like him before he played. While he played, I was like, okay, he's lucky he's good at football because he's lame as hell and everything else he does, right? And I'm not, you know, I don't know him either. I'm not trying to knock him, but. This is what my honest opinion on the guy was. You know what I'm saying? So but this isn't coming as an RG3, a quote-unquote RG3 supporter. But it's hard to understand this. It's like they are addicted. And I say they, you know, prominent faces in D.C. sports media, right? They are addicted to RG3 stories. And it's puzzling because so many people, myself included, and I was wrong about Kirk Cousins. Initially, I did not think Kirk Cousins was a good quarterback, period. 
He's clearly a good quarterback. He's clearly a starting caliber quarterback. How good he is, I think that's that's a legitimate question. And I made it perfectly clear on this show, I don't think he's worth the money that he and his representatives are seeking. Okay, but that's a separate issue. But it's puzzling because so many people like myself feel that the people who love Kirk Cousins, the people who love Kirk Cousins, nine times out of ten are the same people who did not like RG3 and are the same people who on Monday, despite the fact that it was just hours after Washington won their first game of the year, despite the fact that Washington now is tied for first place in their division, right? And it's super early, I understand it, but the Giants don't look that good, and the Cowboys have legit questions now. You know what I mean? I think if you're an Eagles fan, you can feel a little bit good. Losing at Kansas City is not a, it's not a bad thing at all. But there's reason for optimism. This whole offseason, everybody on the radio dial, everybody who's on the camera is like, hey, there's not that big of a buzz for Washington football now. I don't know what's going on. Well, there was a buzz Monday because everybody was happy about getting that win. And everybody was happy that the Giants, or not the Giants at that point, but the Cowboys, right, and the Eagles lost. Okay? But all we were talking about was Santana Moss, a player who doesn't play for the who doesn't play for the Burgundy and Gold, talking about RG3 who doesn't play for the big Burgundy and Gold, talking about Mike Shanahan, who's not a coach in the league anymore. And this is kind of my idea. If I feel like it's grading on a curve, people love Kurt so much because they dislike RG3 so much. And anytime you do that, you're you're asking for problems. You know what I mean? Because the only people who we're talking about are the people who constantly, again, do the Venn diagram, the people who love these RG3s, the John McQueen stories. RG3 was a problem. RG3 was a quote-unquote cancer. Those people are the same people who feel that Kirk Cousins deserves this big contract, that Kirk Cousins is an elite, a franchise quarterback, right? A top 10 quarterback. They're the same people. And those people were the ones who went so far into this story on Monday, a story that really is a non-story. Again, if you don't live in this area, I can't even properly, I can't even properly provide the right context because you'll listen to it and you're like, why are they still talking about RG3? And that's my next point, okay? Because one of the excuses that I hear, because I know people who work on or used to work on these radio shows with some of these hosts who, who just, you know, they're addicted to talking about RG3. They're like, oh, man, well, you know, we spent so much on him and he was a he was a bust. And, you know, look at look at the Raiders and how they talked about Jamarcus Russell. You know what I mean? And and look at how, you know, the Chargers talked about Ryan Leaf. And of course, anytime a team has a bust, they're going to they're going to be ill will. And, you know, people people don't like RG3 and yada, yada, yada. And that's why we talk about him. And I guess like you could if that's the argument that you want to make. I've heard worse, but think about it, right? The Jamarcus Russell. Imagine if right after Jamarcus Russell happened, they got Derek Carr. Nobody would be talking about Jamarcus Russell. The reason why Jamarcus Russell is such a pain for the Raiders is because he and a lot of other, you know, 
things that happened outside of him, right? The front office was awful as well. Lane Kiffin that was their head coach. But Jamarcus Russell represents the down period of the Raiders. But imagine if, because the Raiders clearly think Derek Carr is the franchise quarterback, right? They gave him the big money. Imagine if right after Jamarcus Russell, literally, like, they went from Jamarcus Russell to Derek Carr. I feel like the Raiders wouldn't be talking about Jamarcus Russell as much. Jamarcus Russell, just like Ryan Leaf in the Chargers, if they went from Ryan Leaf straight to Phillip Rivers or straight to Drew Brees, I think it would be different. But Ryan Leaf represented a few years of just awful play. And then the team sunk as well. Same thing with the Raiders. Jamarcus Russell represented a few years of awful play, but they didn't get their quote-unquote franchise quarterback right after. You understand? That's what happened in Washington. All the people who say that Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback, well, if he's that, if he is, why are you still talking about RG3? And again, I feel that it's because they're they're directly related. They're directly linked. The people who love Kirk Cousins, I feel, love him because they hated RG3 so much. So you're grading on the curve. And if you're grading on the curve, you can't honestly think that Kirk Cousins is that good, right? Because you're only viewing him through the lens of your dislike and the poor play of RG3. Does that make sense? Again, I don't think Raiders fans would have such a nasty reaction to Jamarcus Russell if right after Jamarcus Russell, they went straight to Derek Carr because they feel that Derek Carr is their franchise quarterback. I don't feel that Chargers fans would have this nasty reaction still of Ryan Leaf if they transitioned straight to Ryan Leaf right to Phillip Rivers because Phillip Rivers is their franchise quarterback. And I'll give you an example. Remember, was Matt Flynn? He had the one good game in Green Bay. One game, he played well. And the Seahawks threw all types of money at him right out in that offseason. And he clearly wasn't good. He, I don't even know if he's still in the league. Right? They threw a large money signing bonus the whole night. Messed their cap up. Or maybe not messed it up, but put their cap in a situation, right, that wasn't ideal. Because he didn't produce at all. I don't know if he started a single game for Seattle. But ask any Seahawks fans how they feel about Matt Flynn. And they don't care. You want to know why they don't care? Because they have Russell Wilson now. Russell Wilson is their franchise quarterback. They're not worried about Matt Flynn because it's like, okay, well, that didn't work out, but we got Russ, so we're not complaining. We're not worried about him. We're not worried about the other guy because we're happy with the guy we've got. Right? Think about Denver. It was Tebow time. Every Tim Tebow, he couldn't get anywhere away from it, right? It was Tim Tebow this, Tim Tebow that. Everybody knew Tim Tebow wasn't good, but he got the playoff win. There was almost a, a situation, there was a no-win situation for John Elway in the Denver Broncos organization, right? But no one talks about Tim Tebow in Denver anymore. You want to know why? Because they were happy with Peyton Manning. You went from Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning. Nobody was complaining about Tim Tebow. Why? Because they were happy with the quarterback that they got. If Washington fans truly were happy with Kirk Cousins, these RG3 stories wouldn't have to come up every five months. I kid you not. And if you don't live in this area, you, you won't understand it. But RG3 comes up 
all the time here. All the time. RG3 hasn't thrown a hasn't played a snap for this team in years. And whenever there's a crazy tweet, right? Or whenever he has an issue with his former wife and his new girlfriend, it's a, it becomes a story. Anytime a former player says this, it becomes a story. And like this guy, RG, like the, the DC media, they are so obsessed with him. And the people who are obsessed with him for whatever reason, and it's odd because I'm not lying when I say this, the people who are obsessed with these RG3 stories are the same people who swear that Kirk Cousins is the franchise quarterback. But he can't be the franchise quarterback if you devote so much time to RG3. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, imagine you, your ex-girlfriend, right? She couldn't cook. She couldn't make lasagna. And your new girl, she's like, oh, man, you know what? My new girl, she makes her lasagna so much better than my ex's. Number one, don't ever say that to your new girl because clearly... If you say that, if you think that, you're still hung up on your ex. Like, there's a huge difference been between, man, you know what? My new girl, man, her lasagna is so much better than my ex's. As opposed to Slim, my new girl, she has the best lasagna I've ever made in my life, I've ever had in my life. Right? Two different. Two different. Like, same, talk, same topic, essentially, but two different ways that, to say it. The person who's relating his new girlfriend's lasagna to his exes, you that's just, you know, you're, you're graded on the curve. doesn't mean that you actually like your girl's new lasagna. It just means that it's better than what you had. And if you're thinking about, if you're still thinking about what you had, you haven't really moved on. You don't hear Patriots fans talking about Drew Bledsoe anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they're happy. It... It is the most puzzling thing. And it's really not even that puzzling anymore because it's clear and it makes perfect sense. The people who hate RG3 the most in this area are the people who swear that Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback, despite seeing consistently now over three years or three plus years now that, you know, he's good. He's good. But those people who hate RG3 are the same people who love Kirk Cousins and swear that he's elite and he's a franchise quarterback and he should be making $28 million. But those are the same people that after Kirk Cousins has a game-winning drive, after Kirk Cousins comes up big and gives Washington their first win of the year, after Kirk Cousins leads the team to a top, a tie, a three-way tie atop the NFC East, hours later, what are they doing? Spending their whole show on Robert Griffin III, talking about, ex-Washington head coach, Mike Shanahan. Stop grading on the curve, man, because you'll never excel. You'll never, get, you'll never get past it. All right, guys, hopefully you guys don't get past this show or your love for this show. Thank you so much for listening to the Quarterly Report. It was another fun show. Remember, y'all can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. We're on iTunes as well. Make sure you search for the show and subscribe. Search quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E. The quarterly report, you'll see the icon. It's my face on a coin. Click on that, subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, make sure you rate and review the show. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you like and what you don't like. Let the world know that you like the quarterly report. All right, guys, man, it's been fun. 
We'll see you back next week, better than ever, on the Quarterly Report.